Calling all benders and non-benders alike. Jump into the epic world of Avatar with your favorite podcast, Avatar, Braving the Elements. Hosted by me, Janet Varney. And me, Dante Bosco. Each week we'll recap and discuss a new episode. So come join us and our amazing guests from creators to cast to superfans to chat about all things Avatarverse. It's Fire Nation time. Book of Fire. Let's go. Listen to Avatar Braving the Elements wherever you get your podcasts. Can you just let me, can you, can you let me do this? Can you let me hear it for the boys, Pete? Because <laughs> it is time for the next episode, the <laughs> penultimate episode of the boys season one. I'm Alex. I'm Pete. And we're going to be talking about the self-preservation society. So make sure you watch that first. But well, should first. We, should we say why Justin isn't here? Sure. Why isn't he here? Because he's a big-time writer on a show that's related to this. <laughs> oh, yes, we should mention that. Now, this is, as we are taping this, there's a bunch of news that just came out of San Diego Comic-Con, or I guess not San Diego Comic-Con, Comic-Con at home from the boys' panel. Two big items to note. The first big item is they've already picked it up for season three. That's pretty Woo-hoo! exciting. Season two Weird. hasn't even aired yet, but season three, they are full steam ahead. Other wow. than the fact that nobody can film anything right now, they're full steam ahead. <laughs> yeah, other than that small fact. Right. But that's pretty exciting. I mean, that certainly uh, certainly points to them feeling pretty good about The Boys Season 2, I think, and having a lot of faith in it. Uh, season 1 was a huge hit. They seem pretty jazzed about that. But then there's the second item of news, which, as you mentioned, they're going to be doing an official after show for The Boys, which seems kind of rude. Since we already have a podcast for it. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, it's also kind of rude because one of us is writing for that after show. So, <laughs> yes, that's double rude. It is super rude. Uh, so, yeah, Justin is writing for I think it's called Prime Rewind Inside the Boys. It's hosted by Aisha Tyler, which is very exciting. Yeah. Um, I'm sure Justin, when he's back on the next episode for the final episode of season one, We'll be happy to very sketchily talk about all of it and avoid most of the details, but mm-hmm. at least talk mm-hmm. about that. And he is, uh, what's his position again? He's a line producer on it? No, no, he's a writer <laughs> on the show. He's a writer on the show, yes. Yeah. Uh, so that's I think cool. he's head person in charge of coffee, I think is what his job title is. Oh, okay. He's the person who gets coffee and says, yeah. Miss Tyler, here's your coffee, and then just puts it up to her webcam, and she yeah. goes... <laughs> Mm, that was delicious. Thank you so much. Yeah. Yeah. Zoom Zoom World, Zoom World is weird, Pete. That's all I'm saying. Uh, yeah. Yes. Uh, but that is exciting. Uh, that is two big pieces of news. So that's pretty cool as we head into, as we wrap up season one and start to head into season two here. Uh, but as usual, word of warning, as I mentioned earlier, go watch the Self-Preservation Society because we are going to spoil the heck out of it. To give you the brief overview of the episode, we are picking up on a bunch of stuff from the previous episode here. Uh, specifically, the boys have been discovered by the Seven. Homelander knows exactly who they are. This episode, he takes the Seven to task, or more specifically, takes Starlight to task because he realized she's dating Huey. This brings their relationship 
their dating relationship to a critical point, just as it was getting very sweet and a little sexy right there at the top of the episode. Yeah, it was. I would like to say at the top of the episode, um, they have this flashback to a Christmas party. And it's weird now because people are mingling at a job, and I'm just like, oh, my God, will we ever have that again? But uh, also, it's like a nice Christmas party where nothing really kind of goes wrong. So it's like the tension, because the show is so crazy and, like, so many things, it's just funny to see a clip that isn't gross or somebody doesn't get beat the fuck up or anything like that. It's just this very nice Christmas party that happens, and everybody's polite and happy and full of life. I mean, to the point you're saying, I think there is that undercurrent of, like, Voight has this forward thing where they're a corporation, they're for families, they're all about superheroes, they're about goodness, and the hero that is inside of all of us. But under the surface, all these horrible things are happening, and you get... On the opposite end of the spectrum, you get Butcher, who is clean-shaven at this party, cleaned up, seems to be very deferential to Homelander, excited to meet him, all of the stuff that's going on there, even if he's making a couple of, you know, naughty jokes about their costumes and everything. You still get those hints, though, right? Like, you get Translucent walking around in the Santa suit saying, who's been naughty? And we know that he is naked. Well, it's him. Yeah, he's been naughty. He's naked under that set. Like, he's walking around the party naked in a Santa costume because he's invisible. So uh, is he naked because he's got a Santa costume, Santa costume on? So no, he's not. Was he wearing... A, I think he was just wearing the Santa coat and the hat, and the right? hat. Yeah, so, so he he's Donald Ducking it. He's Donald Ducking it. So that's the proper term. Thank you for finally getting there. <laughs> no problem. <laughs> you were just, you were baiting me down that path. Until I <laughs> yeah, that. I was like, I'm going to get him to say Donald Duck in it. Or Porky Pig in it is, you know, as well as another way to. I mean, whichever cartoon character you most identify with when you don't yeah. wear pads, either way. Uh, for uh, me, it's Donald Duck. For me, it's Porky Pig. Great. That's the two genders, I guess. Uh, so. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> Uh, the other thing, of course, that's happening here in the background is, you know, we they leave some information on the table here. They're kind of leading you down the road in terms of what you're supposed to think several times in this episode as well oh, as the yeah, last definitely. episode. But we do get to see more of this backstory over the course of the episode of what happened there. And as far as we know, Becca, Butcher's wife, was a marketing assistant at Voight. She's doing a great job. Homelander notices her. We get to see her come out of his office very disheveled, as we've been told previously, by Butcher. She was raped by Homelander. That's certainly what we're led to think here. And then she ends up pregnant by him, and as we're told later by a Voight employee, I guess maybe the head of Voight, it's not entirely clear to me, um, or maybe their head scientist, uh, she got pregnant. They tried to save the baby. The baby died. She died. Um, yeah. But what's we won't also get into crazy, spoilers for the final episode, but that's kind of the information that we're fed this episode. Yeah, but what's also weird is Homelander is almost on the side of Preacher because he's talking to Stillwell. Butcher. And he, yeah, Butcher. Sorry. Uh, that's right. <laughs> yeah. The same writer. Well, similar looks too. Preacher and Butcher have a similar style. Uh, but... Um, Homelander's going to Stillwell like, hey, whatever happened to her, you know, and so it's it's all there's this weird kind of moment where he wants to get to the bottom of this as well, even though he's 
the awful person who did I the I definitely deed. want to get uh, back to, and we've talked about this a couple of times in the podcast, sympathy for the Homelander. But more importantly, do you think in a crossover event, Butcher would try to kill Preacher? Because Preacher oh, kind of has superpowers. Yeah, definitely. But I think Preacher would win. You think Preacher would win over oh, Butcher? Yeah. yeah. Really? No Why? Question. What would happen, Pete? Don't drink that uh, Miller High Life. You tell me right now how, how this fight's going to go down. <laughs> hey, you made me put down my beer, you son of a bitch. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, I think that, yeah, especially if he has the power, uh, Preacher was winning. And also, Preacher's a badass fighter in the TV mm-hmm. show. Like, lightning reflexes could whoop on Butcher. There is a 0% chance that Butcher would not, A, come prepared with uh, earplugs and B use a high powered rifle from a distance. Like he exactly like he does to starlight at the end of the episode. You're giving Butcher too much credit, man. I don't think so. I think Butcher would be like, I found maybe not TV Butcher because TV Butcher is not quite as prepared as comic Butcher. Yeah. But comic Butcher would be like, I know everything about this preacher guy. I'm going to take him down. Yeah. If he did the research, if they ran into each other on the street, preacher wins. But it is re- interesting that TV Butcher is like a little more spontaneous and a little yeah. more unhinged than Comic Butcher. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, all right. Let's get Anyways. back. To, go, go ahead, Pete. Well, no, I was going to say uh, we kind of go through uh, the deep getting to his new place. Getting oh, well, himself- hold on. Hold on. Before we get to the home uh, oh, deep okay. stuff, I do want to get back to the Homelander thing because oh, okay. I think that's such a fascinating storyline and such an interesting thing to think about and talk about because like you said, he's a sociopath. And (laughs) even in this episode, even if while he's saying, no, I'm fine, I'm happy with my upbringing, it's all good. He clearly hated it. So we get these hints. We've seen these hints that like he grew up in a lab, he was experimented on. He's the only soup that didn't think he got his superpowers through God-given right or whatever. He's known the truth the entire time. Mm-hmm. He, uh, When he encounters the Voight scientist, he says, he, the scientist calls him John, and he says, I don't need that name anymore. Yeah, and also uh, that moment where he's like, I'm the greatest superhero of all time, and the scientist is like, you're my biggest mistake of all time. So do you Damn. feel sympathy? Damn, saying that to Homelander, you want to die, buddy. Yeah. Uh, do you feel sympathy for Homelander after this episode, Pete? Uh, no, he's killed a lot of people. But it's it after this episode, though, you do – even the scientist was like, you know, you should have been raised in a loving environment, not raised in a lab, you know, in that room with only a blankie. I mean, that was cruel as fuck. What did you expect the guy to turn out? And he tries to apologize, but Homelander's over it, you know, which is good. I mean, it, I'm hoping Homelander has really gone through a lot of therapy. He's really come to come to grips with it and really celebrates who he is. You know what I mean? The thing that I struggle with this episode is I do feel sympathy for him and that I get mad at myself for feeling sympathy for him, which I, I think have is that problem with the deep. Yeah. Uh, Again, let's get to that one in a moment, because I think that's another interesting one to talk about. But like Homelander, as we find out, this episode is really just being manipulated by multiple people. Like he's being manipulated by Stillwell. Clearly, Stillwell knows what went on with Becca. uh, As we find out, he's certainly prodding her and feeling around. But the reason. Oh, go ahead. 
No, no, go ahead. I, I want to hear where this is going. No, no. The reason that I don't feel sympathy for Homelander is it's really about who he is when he's alone. When nobody's watching, who are you? And if when he was alone, if he was trying to be nice or trying to do things, as soon as nobody's looking, he's straight up murdering people. You know, he is awful, creepy as fuck, very conniving. So there are moments where you're like, oh, this is why he's that way. And you kind of are like, oh, I can see why, how this guy was made into this awful uh, uh, person or superhero. Um, but I, it's hard to feel sympathy for him because he's so powerful and so omnipotent. I think that's fair. I mean, this isn't exactly right, but I do think you could feel sympathy for him, even if he's unforgivable. You just can't feel empathy for him, you know? Yeah. yeah. Uh, he, uh, and that is one of the expert things about the show and the way that it's put together. And also uh, Anthony Starr, I think is the name of the actor who plays Homelander. Um, the way that he portrays him is he is enigmatic and he is charming throughout, even when he's controlling the room, talking to the seven in this episode and being like, you've all been naughty boys and girls. And so, oh, that where he was like, something new, Noir, you're great. That was hysterical. <laughs> we don't see Noir ever. And it's just so funny how he takes a moment to point out how awesome he is. Yes. Oh, man, that was great. He's fantastic. The way that they play out the Black Noir joke, the fact that he's just yeah. there and barely does anything is it's, absolutely superb. It's fantastic. It's a great running bit. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, the him controlling the room, him doing all that stuff, you understand, particularly the seven, why they're so scared of him, but also want his re- approval. Right. Yeah. You know, it is abusive. It is gaslighting. But then you meet these other characters who are human characters who have no power. Stillwell, the guy from Voight, who are more powerful than him in certain respects, you know, not physically, but he is not in control of his life. And that does make you feel something for him and understand at least some of the steps of how he got to the place where he got to. Yeah. Let's talk about the deep. You you touched on that storyline, which is another, I think masterfully handled storyline. Well, that's the thing. Like, you, you, because he, he's just such a dumb kind of innocent person, but he's horrible. It's it's this real polar kind of back and forth I go with this guy because it's like, okay, here you are, and he's like, all right, great, I'll hit the streets, and they're like, there's no crime here, you know, and you're like, oh my god, what is this guy going to do? It's seventy five dollars a day, um, which is so pretty nice to be honest. It's, I could eat really well at Dairy Queen. All day, oh my every God. day. Seventy-five dollars a day in Sandusky. That's Ooh. a king's ransom. I'm not even joking. Well, no, I mean, regardless of where it is, seventy-five bucks uh, is pretty impressive. So, I mean, this was years ago, but I remember there was an internship, which I don't think I ended up getting or taking. But they said, I don't know if this is going to be okay, but it's fifty bucks a day. And my immediate reaction was like, Jesus Christ, what am I going to do? Rip off my pants at the end of the evening and buy a new pair of pants? <laughs> what do you expect me to do with the, all of this money? Wow, it anyway. had to be a while ago. Um, it was a while ago. <laughs> so yeah, so the well, deep back in the eighteen eighteens <laughs> picks picks up a lady. Brings her back to his place, and then he gets sexually assaulted, which was very, uh, very, I was very happy about that. 
Oh, really? Even though I was like, oh, I feel bad mm-hmm. for him. This isn't good. But I was like, well, I'm glad there's a little bit of now he knows how it feels and maybe will feel even worse about what he's done and be uh, a better I- person moving forward. I got to admit, I had a very different reaction and certainly watching it this time, the second time through, I, I thought about it differently, but I did flash back to how I felt watching this the first time through. And this is same way I felt a couple of episodes back, probably I think the second episode when you start to understand where the deep is coming from a little bit, where I started to get nervous about this redemption storyline for him and potentially where they could be going. Same thing with this episode where I started to get very nervous that they're going like, now he'll understand sexual assault because he was sexually assaulted himself. And that to me, I would say is bad. You should not have two sexual assaults make a right. You know, that's not how it works. They are two separate, equally awful sexual assaults. And if he needs to, Based on this episode alone, my reaction back then was if he needs to be sexually assaulted to understand how sexual assault is bad, that's not a good storyline. Spoiler, ultimately, at least in terms of the next and final episode, that's not exactly how things go and that's not where they end up. But um, this to me is a little dicey. This is perhaps it's horribly handled. It's as awful as it should be. But yep. uh, just in the moment, I, I don't love it. I I wish they had got in a different direction. I hear you. I hear you. But it's nice to see him get some bad things happen to him. So then what's funny is, okay, he's got all this time and they cut to uh, his memoir. He's trying to write his memoir, but he can't even start. So uh, it's just it's kind of enjoyable to see him struggle, which maybe is wrong, but uh, yeah. No, no, no. I think that part is okay. Like, uh, what is it called? Deeper, a memoir, which is very funny yeah. and very dumb. Yeah. Uh, him going to the supermarket, telling the lobster he's going to break him out of there, but the lobster oh, immediately man. getting killed. Yeah. Very funny Because I was like, dude, well. the deep, you can't just say that one and be like, yeah, I saved him. <laughs> They're going to cook that lobster, bro. Yeah, you got to let them know you can cook them at home. Like, oh, my God. Well, that's the stuff I liked is the stuff where he I feel like he could reach a realization by being at Sandusky, getting seventy five dollars a day, having to shop for himself, watching the lobster be killed. All of these ignominious things that happen to him are very sad and will teach him a lesson about how far he's fallen and how dumb things have happened to him. You don't need to assault him as well to teach him that lesson, you know? I mean, maybe maybe they felt you do, but uh, I feel like, again, without harping on it too much, it feels like a step too far. Okay. All right. All right. Agree to disagree. Yeah. Well, we've talked about the seven a little bit. Let's keep going with that and talk about Starlight because that's a big part of the episode. Uh, She is revealed in front of the entire seven as dating Huey. I love this moment here. Yeah. Her shock of being like, what is he doing here? Which is great. You know, um, then we have the Homelander thing, his eyes glowing, like threatening her. If she kind of like makes a move. So that was really intense. And it was fun to see this kind of like play out of like, okay, this is what's going on. And yeah, and if you 
found out this stuff, I, I feel like Homelander is justified in being angry at his team for being like, yo, we're slipping here. We're getting taken advantage of. We're getting taken out. This is how it's going down. Uh, but yeah, Stargirl, uh, or not Stargirl, Starlight, uh, completely kind of caught off guard. And I'm, it was so amazing to see Maeve step up and to help her out because, yeah, it was kind of obvious to us, but not to him. So it was nice to see Maeve. And it was funny home, uh, Homelander being like, wow, you, you don't give a shit about anything. So that was kind of, which isn't true. We saw, we've seen different sides to Maeve, but it was nice to see her. And she stuck her neck out for Starlight, like really very much so. So it was nice to see Maeve willing to do that for her teammate. Uh, I want to get back to Maeve in a second, but first to talk about something far more important. Who would win in a crossover fight, Stargirl <laughs> or Starlight? You keep well, making these mistakes, but they bring up really interesting <laughs> scenarios, Pete. Well, we don't really know all of Stargirl's powers yet on the show. She's too... I feel like too much of a rookie, although Starlight, she's been training more. I feel like Starlight mm-hmm. would win right now. But I I agree. I'd want to give the edge to Stargirl just because she's more acrobatic and more in the face of the fighting. We haven't really seen like Starlight use her fisticuffs or anything, but yeah. I feel like Stargirl wouldn't even get close. Starlight would just immediately just explode and take <laughs> her down. Yeah, exactly. Mm. This is great. This is yeah. going real well. Uh, let's talk about the Maeve thing a little bit because we get more sympathy for her as well. And if anything, I think she's almost like the most sympathetic member of the Seven at this point. Yeah. Um, we've seen her do bad things. We see her in a relationship with Homelander back in the day. Um, but as callous and kind of rude and bad advice as her speech is to Starlight about later on about, like, don't care about anybody – I think she's trying there. You know, she's yeah. making her a martini, which is very nice. I'm, tra- yeah, I'm also probably going like, to go make some martinis later tonight, and that's the nicest thing you could do to a person. Yeah, that is. I agree. But also, like, you saw her struggling as she's making the martini, being like, do you want to talk about it? Like, it was painful <laughs> for her to say that because she doesn't know what she's doing, but she's trying. And that's mm-hmm. huge, especially for Maeve. So it was really kind of nice to see that moment. Yeah, I I like her slow march back towards humanity. Yeah. Um more so than what they do with the deep in this episode. Um I really like what they do with Homelander in this episode, but I, Maeve obviously is more relatable and it feels like feels like at this point there's a way out for her. Homelander's never going to be human. The deep is always going to be a sexual assaulter. Uh he could only hope to slightly repair it through a lifetime of service to the community a little bit, but Maeve has an opportunity there to be better. Yeah. Uh, Let's talk about the boys though. We haven't even really touched on them at all. Uh, Starting with Huey and his arc in this episode with Starlight. Yeah. And we get Simon Pegg as his dad in this app. Um, You know, so Homelander's plan is, you know, they'll, uh, take down these uh, little mud people, as he called them. That was very intense when he's like, you're letting these mud people take us down, um, which also don't, doesn't make me feel bad for Homelander. Anyway, so um, 
their plan is they'll send a train to do it, which was I was kind of surprised. But I guess if you don't think they're on your level, you're not going to send a couple. You're just going to send one person. But that scene is so tense. I mean, we've seen one of the first things we saw in the series was A-Train run through a woman and make her explode. We know he could do that. He killed his own girlfriend to keep his gig going. He has no compunctions. Right, but you're going to send one person. You're going to send one person to take out a group that's already taken out one superhero. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Send two, send three. You know what I mean? Let's stop underestimating these guys. That's well, all. I think that's the point, right? Like they are still underestimating them and they go there. Yeah. And that scene again is so tense. Him threatening Simon Pegg, him threatening Huey, Huey yeah. getting a little bit over him with the compound V, but him ultimately thinking, oh, humans are just these ants who are unrelated to each other, not realizing, of course, Huey's going to bring by the female. And of course, the female is going to break A-Train's leg, which is the worst possible thing that could happen to him. Oh, my God. And the bone coming out the side of his leg. That was really gross, man. This episode was super gross. It was a fun stuff. Uh, I also like... Uh, so we get uh, the the families of everybody gets brought into yeah. hiding as soon as they find out that they're burned. Um, and Mother's Milk family is great. It's sad mm. because they're like, don't ever talk to me again by the end. Uh, but yeah. everybody's re- is seeing everybody together in that hideout. There's something really fun about that. Plus, it was fun to see uh, the, the female and that dude... Uh, uh, cooking together, like baking cupcakes or whatever they were making. That was super adorable. Yeah, what were they making? I think they were making like soufflés or something like that because they were supposed yeah. to be frothy. I don't know. Yeah, it is fun. She's all cleaned up. She's happy now. She's a much yeah. calmer female, so that's all good. Uh, and their relationship is really super nice and fun. Um, the Huey yeah. stuff, it's interesting to me how it comes to head because so far it's been played off with Starlight like a rom-com. But things by the end are so much more horrible because we're in this hyper-violent world where it's not like, you made a mistake, never talk to me again, and that he needs to make a big romantic gesture so much as she, she, by the end, is like, come talk to me at the park bench where we first met. I think uh, they don't exactly break up, but he explains that her life has been an entire lie, and then Butcher shoots her twice, which is horrifying. Yeah, and that's the thing, like, I, I was very upset at Huey. Like, Huey has these moments where he is either a complete badass willing to do whatever it takes and then, like, super shy and, like, not sure of himself. And we get real glimpses of it when he takes down A-Train and uh, with the help uh, of female, of course, but, like, also... Uh, I just wanted to be like, tell her, tell her, where's the badass now? Like, come on, Mm -hmm. man. And I get it. Like, this is scarier stuff than, I guess, murdering people. But still, like, uh, uh, I really wanted him to kind of step up and say the right thing to her. He had plenty of opportunities. I think he tries to do that earlier on when he goes back and he wants to talk to Butcher first and say, no, this is enough. We got to take a step back. We got to pull back from this. This isn't right. He pushes him and says, this is because of Annie, isn't it? He needs to do that with her, not to Butcher. He needs to tell Butcher to fuck off and be like, you know, I'm going to go see if I can save this relationship. 
I mean, that's what he kind of does because he's already calling her a bunch of times, right? Like he's trying to set things right. Obviously, it's a little late. The yeah. part to me that makes him and me annoyed at him is the end of the episode when she gets shot and he runs away with Butcher. Right. Right? In my mind, I don't yeah. care if she's about to take you into the police. You stay there with her. You make sure right. she's okay. You don't leave with the guy that just shot her, no matter what. Yeah, yeah. That doesn't say, that doesn't bode well for your relationship to be like, <laughs> hey, sorry, my friend shot you. We're going to run away from you now. Yeah, I agree. Uh, there's also all the butcher stuff, of course. Uh, and he yeah. does finally step up, I think, in the right way this episode where. He goes to what's her name? Not Ramsey. Run, not Runyon. It's something with an R. I'm forgetting what it is. Whatever yeah, it is, the FBI CIA. agent. Yeah, CIA FBI agent. I think. Yeah. Uh, I'll find her name in a second. I wrote it down. Uh, he. Oh, sorry. It was the CIA was t- in the flashback stuff? So I apologize. Yeah. Right. That was we meet Mallory very briefly, who is gender bent yeah. in the show, which I think is great. Uh, and that's nice. So we get a yeah, little definitely. tease of her. Um, Rainer, that's who it is. So Rainer, uh, she he ultimately makes the deal to save everybody's family, gives up on the whole homelander thing in order to do that, which is his big thing. Though, of course, probably does not really give up on it. But it's nice to see him like do the right thing for a bit, you know? Yeah, yeah, I hope he continues to do that. Because with the flashback, you got to see, like, it seems like he's a good person that just has his had his world just kind of ripped away from him. Right, and there's certainly hits that it's maybe because of Homelander, maybe because of Mallory a little bit, turning him and twisting him, and that's, of course, consistent with the comments, uh, comics as well. Uh, there's one other detail we should probably talk about. I don't know if there are other things you wanted to call out, but um, the twist at the end after they finally get Stillwell and put her in is, though we don't specifically know this yet, Void has been successful in creating their own supervillains. You can certainly intuit that from everything that's going on, that it happens very coincidentally the same time as Stillwell is going in there. But we get Nakib, a man who blows himself up and then reforms himself. Um, he calls himself the captain. We believe that's his superhero name. Uh, and that's where we end with that, where the whole Voight investigation gets waylaid by all of this. Doesn't that seem weird, though? The guy who blows himself up is called the captain? It's not like, a you good want to call yourself name. Dynamite or Dynamo or, you know, something mm-hmm. like... Well, I mean, Boom Human Squad. Bomb has been taken. Like, that's a... Yeah. That's a DC yeah. character, right? It would be pretty yeah. good there. But yeah, Captain isn't great. I think, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. You know what? He should workshop it. Next yeah, time I see an he exploding should. man and he's like, I'm the captain now, I'll be like, workshop your name, buddy. Yeah, yeah. Get one of those focus groups going. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Mm-hmm. I mean, they probably did if he came from Voyage. They probably had plenty of focus groups. Was there anything else you wanted to call out about this episode before we start to wrap up here? Um, I would just like to know if, uh, if you could blow yourself up, what would name would you call yourself? Um, uh, probably the blower. Oh my God. Is that good? Is that a good name, Pete? <laughs> yeah, it was great. It was great. Thanks. Cool. Who was your best boy this episode, Pete? Who was the best boy in the episode? <sighs> Who's a good little boy? <laughs> Who is, uh, man, I'm going to give it to Maeve. Maeve yeah. killed it. 
Uh, martini. It was all the martini. I loved it. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, How about you? Good. Here's the thing. I feel like almost every episode I give it up for Hoblander, and I feel like I got to stop doing that <laughs> because that's You bad. do. I do. You're revealing to everybody that you're an evil person. Uh, it's it's definitely striking me because that was my first instinct because I liked his storyline so much, and I thought it was so good and twisted and dark in the right way. Um, and he's so good at that boardroom scene as well. I'll tell you what. Next episode, I'm definitely not going to give it up for Homelander, but this episode, he's my best boy again. Come on. Give it give it up to Noir. Uh, he barely does anything, which is the joke, mind oh, you, come but on. that's all right. Yeah. All right, everybody. Thank you for listening. If you want to support this podcast and other podcasts, we do patreon.com slash comic book club. Also, we do a live show every Tuesday night at 7 p.m. to Crowdcast and YouTube. Come hang out. Ask us questions about the boys. We'd love to chat with you about it. Uh, hear it for number four, the boys on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, iTunes, Android, Spotify, Stitcher, or the app of your choice to subscribe and listen to the show. Comicbookclublive.com for this podcast and more. Until Preacher fights Stargirl in a fight, we'll see you next time on Let's Hear It for the Boys. Yeah.